Hello everyone and welcome back to this podcast. You're listening to your host Malini and today I would like to introduce you to a very special episode which is a monologue that forms and is part of the Story of My Life project supported by the Arts Council and brought to you in conjunction with Our Solution CIC and Mental Health Charity. The collection of stories have the common thread of trauma, struggles and empowerment running through them. And remarkably, these stories have not just been delivered as an audio recording, but are also portrayed as a painting of the past, present and future, and are found as written stories forming a book. A special thank you to the participants and the Art Council for their belief in the Story of My Life project and on behalf of Our Solution CIC. Alexandra, a young retiree in my mid-40s without any children, having sold up a business, my husband, of over 23 years, and I founded after uni. I'm a dual national American-British who lives mostly in the French Alps. Nearly six years of retirement have afforded me the ability to welcome a huge personal transformational journey I never could have imagined. Throughout my life, there have always been so many things I didn't understand, a lot to do with my family and personal relationships and the coping mechanisms I developed growing up in a dysfunctional family weren't always serving me well into adulthood. After my mom's death, I ended up having a midlife crisis at 42, which turned everything around. I'd like to briefly share a little of my story, which is one of resilience, learning, personal growth, and dedicating the time to healing old traumas. I'd like to because I'm aware how confusing, messy, and complicated life can be for every one of us, in spite of the show we put on for the world, and certainly hearing the stories of others has helped me have more confidence along the way in my transformation journey. Exactly three years ago, March 2018, I ended up having a bewildering incident with someone I had considered a very good friend, which resulted in us falling out. The confusion it brought about led me to look back at our relationship, and by chance, I ended up learning about narcissistic personality disorder for the first time. The more I learned about NPD, the more comfort I felt about the whys of certain behaviors on both our parts. It was like putting puzzle pieces of human behavior together, and I found it fascinating. I never studied psychology before, and doing so was helping to make some sense of social situations and interactions I'd had with my former friend. Eight months later, my mom suddenly, but not unexpectedly, passed away in New York, age 79 from obesity-related cardiac arrest. I went back to New York to support my surviving father, My mom suffered with her mental health ever since having her firstborn, my eldest brother in the early 1960s, having postpartum psychosis and manic depression throughout the rest of her life. I'm the last of five children she had. My middle brother predeceased her, passing away age 49 of long-term alcohol use disorder in 2014. Supporting my dad included, at his request, helping clear out a lot of her personal effects, which was no small task as my mom had a bit of a hoarding issue for some time, which had gradually gotten worse as the years wore on. During this time, my sister and I found a lot of things that were once ours, some insignificant things that we had earlier attempted to throw out or give away to charity, or 
Other things, like personal diaries, which were outright stolen from us. We both recalled how violated we each felt at the time we noticed our diaries missing, and suspected it was our mother, though I don't recall ever bringing up the subject with my mom. All of the decluttering brought up a lot of memories, some quite painful, and my sister and I talked a lot about them. Her sharing perspectives I'd never before been privy to, as we weren't close growing up, though in adulthood that's completely changed. Our household environment growing up was far from idyllic, but comfortable materially. My dad commuted and worked long hours, providing fully for our family, and was a true authoritarian parent figure. I learned mostly to keep out of his way and keep quiet and serve when around him. Whilst I did have a much closer relationship with my mother, I have long described it as complicated, and I would often view in awe what seemed to be normal, happy, relaxing bonds my peers would have with their parents. My mother was generally physically present during childhood, but certainly not emotionally present. Her mental health disorders certainly had adverse effects on each of her children. Growing up, there was a lot of yelling and tension in the house. The age gap between my four siblings and me and some apparent resentment definitely made me feel like it was me versus them. But really, I think each of us was just trying to find our way through the confusion of having a mom who suffered greatly with her mental health, having multiple hospitalizations and experimental treatments during our childhoods. There was a lot of walking around on eggshells, so to speak. A lot of subjects not to be discussed, and a lot of tensions simmering away in all of us, it seemed. Whilst each of us sought refuge in our individual bedrooms, where we were largely left unchecked, we also found some comfort and respite in unhealthy outlets and activities. What we turned to was different for each of us. In adulthood, we each left home quickly, except for my late brother, who took a little bit longer and seemed to struggle the most in life out of each of us. We've all had our issues over the years with various self-sabotaging behaviors to differing degrees. For me, once I was introduced to the concept of near-nightly alcohol drinking by my future husband, it seemed to enhance my enjoyment of life immensely. For the first time in my life, I had a reliable way of falling asleep, and consuming alcohol together seemed to add more fun to our relationship. I followed his lead, and when we hastily got married and started to build a life together in the UK, far away from my dysfunctional family, Drinking just about every evening seemed a way to wind down and relax after a hard-working day. Rather than watch TV, it'd be two decades of marriage before we purchased one, we'd go out to pubs, restaurants, together or with friends, and socialize a lot. Drinking wine seemed to take the edge off of the internal satisfaction with the life I was finding myself going along with. As the years went on, whilst I knew that my consumption levels were beyond the recommended healthy maximums, I had no desire to curb my consumption. After all, we were showing many outward signs of success. So what was the problem? My husband, however, several years ago, decided that drinking was no longer doing it for him and certainly encouraged me to find a similar path for myself. However, my interest levels in giving up or cutting back my beloved evening wine were minimal, even though at times it was tedious and I knew it wasn't great for my health long term. Going back to clearing out my mom's stuff, in searching for my own long-lost diaries, I found some of her own. I randomly opened up a page and started reading. The contents shocked me. 
She was wishing fervently for an episode of mania to wash all over her again, to take over her life as she was knowing it, suffering through it. Other passages included her wishing a terminal illness to consume her and take her, take her away from this earth. I was transfixed, and it was certainly a seminal moment in my life. I put the diary to the side for future reading and continued on with the decluttering. The decluttering of her and my dad's bedroom revealed so much. No one except them had been allowed into the room for a very long time, and her hoarding was a huge insight for me into her chaotic and conflicted mental headspace. It yielded almost unbelievable finds, illuminating me to the depths to which she struggled in her mind, but which she largely kept private as much as possible from public view. Once the main decluttering was complete, I delved back into my mom's diaries with my dad's blessing. Reading them at times brought up more questions. These incredibly intimate glimpses into her psyche confused the heck out of me at times. Her children were a favorite topic, as well as other family members, though, funnily enough, excluding my father. When I was in New York, I'd made several visits in the months following my mom's death. My sister and I would talk at length, resulting in both of us unpacking confusing and painful family memories, and of course, each of us having our own version of events. Both of us had tried to bury so much from our childhoods and just try to get on with making the most of our adult lives. Revisiting all of this was pretty hard for both of us, but what seemed to be more painful was the unanswered questions that kept creeping up. Back home in the French Alps, I found myself unable to concentrate on what would usually be favorite activities, mainly somewhat dangerous at times, off-piece skiing. To help calm my mind in the evenings and numb the uncomfortable feelings I was having around my family puzzle pieces, I found myself drinking more than usual. As a remnant from that bizarre falling out with a friend I mentioned earlier, my inbox was still getting populated with articles about narcissistic personality disorder that I would occasionally read. Up until this point, I'd never come across the term narcissistic family before, but when I read an article describing the dysfunctional rules in narcissistic families and the different roles family members end up taking on in such cases, I quickly recognized that as our own. Thirsty for further confirmation, I sought more and more articles on the subject, and when I happened to come across a narrative by someone diagnosed clinically as having both bipolar disorder and narcissistic personality disorder, all these learnings made me feel like I got hit by a freight train. Emotions ran out of control for me like never before, and so many tears came out for weeks and weeks as I studied more and more on narcissistic mothers and families. More long-repressed memories came to the surface, and my sister concurred with all my hypotheses. Whilst there was some comfort in having a label for everything that seemed to have psychologically been going on in our family, I had a lot of anger developing in me. All of the horrible things that my now-dead brother went through perhaps weren't his fault. If we had recognized what was going on in our family, clinically speaking, maybe we could have had happier different, more peaceful outcomes for all of us. My youngest brother is the only one of us five who ended up having children. I think the rest of us were too traumatized from our own childhoods to seriously consider it. I know the thought of being a parent always scared me. Luckily, I ended up marrying someone who simply never wanted to have kids. Whilst on the outside, all these years I tried my best to betray a happy, settled existence. I was driven so much by 
a lack of self-esteem and self-love, insecurity and fear. I did not have dreams of my own I pursued. I slotted myself into the life designs of others to feel purpose and validation and acceptance. As a result, I was carrying around a huge void, a long-standing sense of emptiness in my life, which nothing I was doing was filling it. But at least the wine I looked forward to each evening could help me forget about it, at least for a little while. Other issues in my life relating to feeling a lack of purpose in life post-retirement and ways I was dealing with that, coupled with conflicts over how and where my husband and I spent our time in retirement, were also simmering under the scenes for a few years at this point. My husband has always been very driven, focused, and incredibly intelligent with the longer-term goals for his life. Whilst I'm not denying I can also demonstrate those qualities, I've also been very directionless throughout my life and haven't per se ever had any big dreams or goals other than wanting to feel loved, safe, and secure. Working hard at his goals for our company during our working years satisfied those needs, but our retirement was going very push-pull and we were having recurring conflicts that were hard for the other to see eye to eye on. To feel like I was having some sort of control over my life when so much was seeming out of my control, I was secretly resorting to disordered eating behaviors. I was compulsively working out at the gym as it was something I could do pretty mindlessly. At least if I was breaking apart on the inside, the body I was showing off to the world on the outside was looking amazing and aspirational. My midlife crisis was in full swing at age 42. As the months passed and I immersed myself in more and more learning about personality disorders, human psychology and behavior, psychologically abusive relationships, and putting more and more puzzle pieces of my childhood and family together, I felt like I was in a pressure cooker that was getting ready to explode. My conditioning from childhood meant that being truly open, communicative with my thoughts and feelings was something foreign when it came to difficult, emotive subjects. Repression was an often used tool, but it was coming back to bite me big time. Finally, in late May, six months after my mom's passing, I broke down whilst my husband and I were in the car. He was driving and interrupted me over something fairly innocuous. And that was it. I had a huge blow up of a breakdown. Mobile phone throwing, punching and kicking the vehicle interior, screaming and crying. I just could not take it all anymore. We both agreed it was time for me to seek some professional help. The pain I was enduring psychologically was definitely too much for me to bear, and I had increasing amounts of rage and anger I didn't know how to deal with in a healthy manner. Whilst I felt my disordered eating habits were the least of my problems and didn't mention them to my counselor, or anyone for that matter, up until recently, I was forthright from my first session with my therapist that I knew I drank too much, but at the same time, didn't have the appetite to address the issue. He promised that in time, with counseling sessions and doing the work, the reasons behind why I've sought solace in my nightly wine habit would become clear. As such, we concentrated on the biggest problems first, what I'd come to call my dysfunctional family crap from childhood. In my counselor's office, I felt safe, free of judgment, and in very competent care. I saw him twice a week to start I offloaded parts of my life story, and he gave the sort of professional empathy and insight I really needed. We visited parts of my past I was clearly traumatized from, where the old wounds had come to the surface after decluttering following my mom's death. My counselor used various tools that shed light on how I could actually heal from these distressing experiences. Implementing them 
I started finding a peace come over me that I never expected. The therapy sessions were definitely working. As my family and childhood issues were seeing more resolution, we moved on to my feelings over lack of purpose in my life and problems I was having in my relationship with my husband. Again, the default projection to the world I tried to give off was that of, I've got a wonderful marriage, a fantastic life I'm very grateful for, everything is good. However, it didn't take much scratching below the surface by my therapist to have me reveal some of the pain points I was hiding. Again, for me, for so long, I felt I could cope with my life as I was allowing it to happen to me, as long as I had my nightly wine to look forward to. The escapism it seemed to give me was like my reward for living an inauthentic life. One not being true to myself, but a life that met my strong needs for validation, love as I knew it, and security. My husband agreed to join me in the counselor's office. He wanted me to overcome these painful times I was having, and ideally have me finally address the alcohol habit he seemed to kick a couple of years before with sheer willpower and not much trouble. Credit where credit is due, and whilst it wasn't easy for my husband to get involved in this stage of my personal journey, he did accept it as part of the process. I had to hold my hands up and admit I wasn't communicating my true feelings about a lot of things over our 20 plus years together due to dysfunctional childhood conditioning, as I learned. Ultimately, with my therapist's help, coupled with a thirst for continued self-help in my own time, he not only welcomed the feedback I started giving him, but actively sought it from me in order to become a better husband and for us to have a stronger marriage than we've ever had, for which I am incredibly grateful. My journey has taken a lot of time, honesty, resources, including what I term as the gifts my mom left me in her passing, and having courage to finally start speaking up for myself in ways I'd always feared and had a lot of anxiety over. One year after my mom's death, I committed to myself to stop the disordered eating practices and have been successful with that. It was another few months after that that I'd say my midlife crisis was over right when the first severe COVID-related lockdown landed on us in 2020. Lockdown life had its stresses, but my alcohol consumption and self-destructive behavior was less than during my midlife crisis period. It would take another six months before I decided it was right time for me to gain control over my alcohol habit. And in November 2020, I found some incredible resources, in particular from a woman named Annie Grace, that have helped me retrain my brain and not be fixated on my nightly wine habit as I had been these past two plus decades. My marriage and relationships with other loved ones are more authentic than ever, and I've realized that the anxieties I was carrying with me from childhood over speaking my truths were not actually warranted. Acknowledging to myself that the unhealthy coping mechanisms I developed were rooted in a painful upbringing psychologically, and while seemingly serving me at different points in my life, were not something I needed to rely on in my future. By throwing away those old paradigms, I could stop having so much inner turmoil and welcome more peaceful mental health for myself. Sharing my struggles with alcohol and disordered eating habits with loved ones hasn't been easy, but it's been so relieving to get those battles off my chest. Rather than living with a lot of anxiety, fear, and insecurity, whilst I admit I'm still a work in progress, I've made great strides and feel more empowered in myself than ever for having had all the experiences I've had. Whilst during my mom's lifetime, our relationship was complex, I feel that in her death, I've been able to benefit enormously from the various gifts she left me to uncover in her hoarding. 
I don't think I'd be here today speaking to you right now if it wasn't for those opportunities she left for us, as ridiculous as that might sound. I am very grateful. I'm living proof therapeutic processes can help old wounds. So if there's anyone listening who has thought about seeking professional help for themselves, go for it. It may take trying out different counselors, depending on what your issues are. I specifically found my first counselor to be amazing with my childhood trauma, and another one solely specializing in alcohol use disorder to be wonderful for my drinking issues. So don't give up if at first you don't find the right professional match. There are many mental health professionals out there to choose from. This is the story of my life, and I'm owning it. Thanks for listening. Namaste.